It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, John Paul is taking your calls at 1850 Text and WhatsApps uh, already coming into us and very welcomed to 0862-103-103. Just the weather forecast there, I know there's rain on the way, but we're back to kind of milder conditions than we were, say, last week or the week before. I mean, 10 to 12 uh, degrees, reasonably mild, and it's been, we haven't had any of the bitterly cold nights for the last uh, week or so. But of course, as we are heading into the 1st of December tomorrow. People dream of a white Christmas. Well, can I say some people dream of a white Christmas. Other people feel the worst thing that could happen would be if we got a a white Christmas. Well, I can tell you that Met Aaron are dashing any hopes in their long range forecast of a white Christmas this year. They're saying that over the Christmas period we'll have settled dry uh, weather and temperatures will be slightly above normal for Christmas Day and the days before and the days uh, after. So obviously uh, bookmakers now are reducing the odds of a white Christmas because it's around now that bookmakers start placing bets and taking bets on whether we'll have a white Christmas uh, or not. The long range forecast is for an Atlantic high pressure zone and that will dominate Irish weather from Christmas Eve right through up to and including St. Stephen's uh, St. Stephen's Day. The and then the long range forecaster AccuWeather. They're also concurring with Met Air and they're saying the Christmas week is likely to see cloud and sunshine with the occasional shower. They're saying temperatures between 9 and 10 degrees uh, for Christmas Eve. The wettest of the three days over Christmas is expected to be Christmas Day and then we'll be back uh, to more settled weather on St Stephen's Day. So that's not for weather. For people who have to travel over Christmas, that's the kind of weather, nice kind of dry, crisp, and it wouldn't even be crisp days. If the temperature's 9 to 10 degrees, that's not too bad either. It's nice out and about weather and it's always great over Christmas with the amount of food we consume if you can pack all the family up and get out for a little bit of a walk. So it looks like white Christmas off the cards. How often do we get white Christmases? Well, I was reading a piece by Ralph Eagle yesterday in the Irish Independent and Ralph was saying on average we have a white Christmas in this country about every six years. So we're kind of due another white Christmas and if we don't get one and it's looking like we won't get one this year then it means the last time that we actually had a true white Christmas was 11 
uh, years ago. Now, over the past 60 years, we've had nine proper white Christmases. Now, we will get Christmases where there'll be a little bit of snow on Christmas Day or a fall of snow on Christmas Day, but proper, actual proper white Christmases, uh, which is, you know, defined as the depth of snow that covers the ground. So over the past 60 years, there's actually only been nine. There was one in 1964. There was one in 1970, 1980, 1993, 1995 and 1999. We had a run of them in the 90s for sure. Then we had a white Christmas in 2004 and then we had two back to back. We had one in 2009 and I think we'll all remember the one in 2010 which was ranked as one of the most spectacular. We had up to 27 centimetres of uh, snow and that's really the last. It'll be 11 years this year because it doesn't look like we're getting a white Christmas. As I say, if you have to travel over Christmas, people will be well pleased that we're not getting a white Christmas. But the temperatures at the moment, they're, they're not that bad. They had dipped for a while. They did plummet parts of last week and the week before. And I don't know uh, many families listening to us, are they hearing about the children complaining about cold classrooms? There was a kind of a run on it last week. People were, some children were really complaining about it. And of course the problems that the schools have at the moment is they have to leave all of the windows open in the classroom. We all know the importance of ventilation and uh, putting good ventilation in to the classrooms to get rid of uh, COVID-19. Now, why they don't have all of these HEPA filters inside in all the classrooms at this stage, I don't know, but they don't. And therefore, the schools are doing the best that they can. They have these CO2 monitors, which they're the classrooms and the teachers are monitoring all the time and I, w- I heard of one teacher who was saying that even if they pull the blinds down over the windows you know when it gets too bright then their CO2 monitor goes red because it's blocking the window out and they have to again ventilate the you know throw up the blind get the windows open wide to make sure that the CO2 monitor isn't flashing uh, red on them so it is causing problems in some classrooms and I saw reports in the papers today day of some Dublin schools not allowing pupils to wear their coats in the classrooms. Now I don't know if that's an issue that's happening here with us locally in uh, Cork. Seemingly in some of the Dublin schools they're only allowing the children to wear their coats if the coats bear a school crest. You know the way some coats will have raincoats and jackets that will have the school crest on it. So for those schools they're allowing the children to wear those coats in the classroom, but they're not allowing normal coats. And I was watching a piece on the TV last night. I think it was to do with antigen testing being introduced now to primary school children. And you know the way the cameras go in and they fill them inside the classroom. And I did notice on the two classrooms that were featured on the news last night that in both cases, the teacher in the classroom had a fine big wool coat and well in one case she had a fine big wool for was you know kind of a wool winter coat on her but none of the children in the classroom had coats on and you could clearly see that the windows were open they all looked like they had tracksuits I'm assuming that the parents had layers underneath the, the tracksuits but I'm wondering are many parents hearing from their children are they complaining that they're cold in the classroom but more importantly on the days when it does get bitterly cold are the children allowed to leave their jackets on in the classroom and I, 
it must be pretty awkward to be in a classroom and to have to have your jacket on all day long while you're doing your work. That must be a bit tricky for the kids as well. And then, of course, children go out to play at break time. They go out to play for PE. And we'll all remember our mammies saying, take your coat off because you won't feel the benefit when you go outside. And I'm wondering what happens in those cases if a child has the jacket on all day inside the classroom and suddenly there's the hour for PE or the lunchtime break when they go out into the bitterly cold weather. Are they not getting the benefit from the jacket? And also the schools, I feel for the management of the schools, if all of the windows and doors have to be left open and I understand the ventilation for for COVID-19, I understand all of that. But if they are heating, if they do have the heating on full whack, is the heating literally just going out the window? And are they going to have excessively high heating bills for this duration of time. Anyway, your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. We know that the Cabinet today are discussing the, uh, the how much social interaction children are going to have and for parents to pull back on the children's social interaction outside of school. And of course, the big dilemma at the moment now, and, and I do feel for anybody organising or anybody involved with pantomimes, because it seems to be you either allow your children to go on a play date or you allow your children to go to the pantomime. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get that much detail it, or not from the Cabinet today, but I know that the Ombudsman uh, for Children is already out this morning and he's saying that any new COVID-19 measures around children socialising. He's saying that it must be appropriate and it must be proportionate. And he pointed out that the last 18 months have been extremely stressful uh, for children. And we know that this is the time of year. Christmas is all about uh, uh, children. So we await to see what the government will recommend and will they be you know, putting a prohibition on indoor community gatherings for children over the next uh, six few weeks? Or are they going to very much put the ball back in the court of parents and say to parents, it's up to you, the parents, to decide how much social activity your children can have? And I suppose for some families, this is going to become a real dilemma because if you've got a family that say Nana or Grandad is going to be coming to join you for Christmas and maybe Nana or Grandad have an underlying health condition, have an underlying health condition or just elderly and people are worried about them getting COVID and how would they battle on if they got COVID and you're bringing them into a household that has a lot of children and if that's a lot of children who've been out and about and they've gone to every play activity that's, you know, play dates with children, maybe birthday parties, going to the pantomime, maybe having a school nativity play and they've been socialising a lot and they bring COVID back in just in time for Christmas. I can see the dilemma that some families will be in and that's why even talking to friends of mine who have young children or primary school children in the main are already saying that they've decided themselves way before the cabinet need to come out and tell them what to do. They're already deciding to roll back on who their children are meeting up with, what kind of social activities the child are getting involved in because they've Nana or Grandad coming to spend time over Christmas and they want to keep everybody safe. So anyway, the children's, the Ombudsman for Children uh, got involved on this uh, this morning and he said while the it's developmentally important for children to have social interaction outside of school, he said there needs to be a balance because he said we need to keep schools open and he's urged the government to ensure 
that the impact of any restrictions is assessed quickly so that they can be eased if uh, needs be. And we know, of course, also the mask wearing for third class and upwards is going to be among the measures that are going to be discussed at the Cabinet uh, this morning. Now, there is expected that there's going to be an exemption for children with uh, special needs. Dr Muldoon, as Ombudsman for Children, was saying it's important that children will not be penalised if their parents do not support measures around mask wearing. And he added that there is an inbuilt unfairness in asking children to restrict their social interactions while parents can continue to enjoy the hospitality sector and I don't know there whether he is picking up on the Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly who was almost suggesting that the parents can go to the pantomime but they need to leave the children at home now how any parent is going to turn around to children who very much associate Christmas with going along to the pantomime can you imagine the scene in the household Mammy and Daddy are off to the pantomime we have a babysitter coming in for you have you know and we'll tell you all about it when we get home I can see that happening like a lead balloon. So we'll wait and see what comes out from the Cabinet uh, today. 1850 333 103 and another listener who's in a bit of a pickle at the moment and again we're going to have to wait on what the Cabinet decides today. So Sai Patricia I was listening to you previewing your show uh, with Ken earlier and I've got a question that you or perhaps your listeners may be able to answer. I'm planning or should I say was planning, to go to the UK soon. I'm double jabbed and I'm expecting to get my booster in a few days' time. But what will now happen on my return? Do I have to have a PCR test before I leave the UK? Or do I need to get that PCR test done when I come home? Will I need to self-isolate on arriving back into Ireland? All these new rules seem to change by the hour. So it's no wonder that people, including myself, are confused. Even the travel agent that I contacted couldn't answer my questions. It's all a bit of a carry-on at thanking you because we know that the Cabinet Ministers today are going to consider the plan which requires proof of a negative rapid antigen COVID test for all travellers landing in Irish airports and that's irrespective of whether they're vaccinated or not. Now, we know that NEFIT were saying that they were looking for all travellers to do the more expensive, slower and more reliable PCR tests. But it seems that ministers uh, will instead look for the quicker and the cheaper antigen test option. But they're saying that they're going to have to be professionally done. So there will be a cost involved with them. You won't be allowed to do it uh, via, you know, the way we do with the antigen tests ourselves uh, at home. The time frame, this is what the speculation is, the time frame within which the test must be done before travelling hasn't been decided, but it's been suggested it'll be 48 hours before uh, travel. Uh, And I can see the pickle that this particular listener is in because we know in the UK that they've introduced... PCR tests for anybody landing from any country into the UK except people from Ireland because of the common travel uh, area that we share. So when this listener decides to get on a plane and go to the UK double jabbed even will have the booster so will be able to prove vaccination won't need to have a PCR test done won't need to self-isolate in the UK because they're coming from uh, Ireland but now one wonders will the Irish government reciprocate that for people travelling from 
the UK because bear in mind there are all of us have family members living well very few of us don't have family members living in the United Kingdom many of them are planning on travelling home for Christmas especially this year because of course so many of them weren't able to travel last year so there's going to be a lot of people coming from the UK who if as this listener says if they decide that they're going to make everybody get uh, tested, there will be like a huge, huge number of people. So at this point in time, I don't have the answer for you, unfortunately, and I don't think anyone will have the answer for you until we hear from the government uh, today. And one wonders, will, because of what the UK did by saying PCR tests for everybody landing in the UK, except people landing from Ireland, will that be reciprocated back only time will tell. The only thing is you won't have very much longer uh, to wait. But what is being suggested if they do decide to include the UK it won't be the more expensive PCR test which works out I think at about €100 Euro to have the PCR test done privately because you won't be able to go to the HSC just the way we normally go to get the PCR test. You'll have to go and get that test done privately and you'll be getting it done in the UK. And uh, It's about, I don't know if it's the equivalent of £100 but it's, I know it's certainly €100 Euro, uh, over here and last year it certainly had friends who travelled from the UK who had to get the negative PCR test before travelling and they did pay £100 for it which would certainly add to the cost of your break in the UK. So whether what they're suggesting is that they'll go for this cheaper option of the antigen tests but professionally done but at least they don't cost as much. So hang in there. Hopefully by close of business today you should have some answers to your questions. And Alyssa says Hi Patricia, all the talk seems to be about children in primary schools. What about the college students? They never get a mention. I feel they're forgotten about. Well I think the reason that there is so much emphasis placed on primary school children at the moment, the evidence coming from the public health doctors is there's a very high incidence of COVID-19 amongst 5 to 11 year olds and they're passing it on to their parents and other members of the family and that's what's the big concern for public health doctors and I'm just uh, spotted on the news wires that the the Taoiseach on his way into the cabinet meeting this morning, uh, he says everyone including children will be asked not to socialise as much over the next uh, two weeks. Uh, it's not just going to be primary school children are asked. The word the word is going to be that for the next two weeks all of us are going to be asked to reduce the level of socialisation right across society, but in particular inter-household uh, mixing. Um, and the health minister on his way into the cabinet meeting has promised to bring clarity to parents on what they need to do to keep their children safe from COVID. But I think it's the fact that it, uh, Micheál Martin was saying that talking to Neffet and the public health doctors yesterday, it's the fact that we've got this high proportion of children from 5 to 11, the unvaccinated uh, kids who are getting COVID-19. In the main, they're not becoming very sick but they're bringing the COVID home. They're passing it on to everybody else in the household and hence that's where the worry is. So it looks like it's going to be, all of us are going to be asked uh, to reduce our socialising. And then a listener, when we're talking about the this whole thing of asking children and now parents as well not to socialise so much. A listener is saying, what do other parents think about families actually organising birthday parties at uh, the moment? This listener says, I was led to believe that we weren't meant to have a birthday party, yet my child has just been invited to one at a venue, uh, which, by the way, I've declined. I think it's utter madness. So... This is where the responsibility, I suppose, is being very much put back on the parents themselves. 
but it is that's a that's a difficult one if you've got somebody in a classroom organising a Christmas or birthday party and everyone's been invited and then you've got some parents who are going to be nervous about letting their children go and what if you're the only one nervous about letting your children go and everybody else goes you can imagine the arguments that's going to go on in that house everybody else is at a birthday party and I'm not allowed uh, to go so let's see are we according to Stephen Domley there will be clearer guidance uh, given uh, this afternoon uh, on the travel advice that we're waiting on from later today somebody said those travel rules are an absolute joke a friend of mine went to Edinburgh this morning they've gone for just three nights how are they meant to get those tests done in the time frame that the government are saying it's a joke if you're vaccinated you should be clear to travel for once I agree with Michael O'Leary of Ryanair who came out very strongly on that yesterday well I well I would imagine that anything that they will introduce won't affect your friend who's away at at the moment. Normally when they bring in restrictions or rules like that there will be a time frame in mind because of course they have to allow for people like that who have already travelled even though God knows, look look what happened in South Africa with how quickly the uh, Omicron was identified in South Africa and people getting stuck in, in South Africa trying to get flights back. It is always a risk I think at the moment while we're still living in the world where there is a pandemic raging it will always be the risk when you make that decision to travel everything could be fine as you head head off on whatever journey you're taking and things can change so quickly while you're away I suppose we all always have to allow for that and Tim in Barry Row in West Cork good morning to you Tim Uh, thank you for putting your name on the text so hi Patricia I'd like to say a big thank you to all of the all of the vaccine centre in City Hall on Sunday, especially the lady at the gate and the stewards inside and the lovely lady who gave me my jab. It was very relaxing and very professionally done. So says uh, Tim in Barry Row in West Cork. Well done, Tim. And I know for a lot of people, huge relief when people find out that uh, they've got a date for their vaccine. And I know for some, they were didn't like the idea of having to travel to the city, but that's where the booster shots are being done for large parts of the county. And not just large parts of the county. I saw there are people travelling from outside the county coming in to uh, City Hall and people are being encouraged to get their booster jabs and I know yesterday we were inundated with calls and texts from people wondering when would they be called when would they be like Tim lucky enough to get a date for their booster and Tony Houlihan yesterday was speaking about uh, booster boosters and he was saying to people to prioritise your booster vaccine uh, appointment as soon as you get called if it clashes with something else cancel the other event and make sure you go ahead for your uh, booster because he says that they're already seeing encouraging signs in the decreasing levels of the infection among the age groups that have received their booster dose. So he said it is so important to come forward when you are called. So who who's getting the boosters this week? The HSE is sending text messages to eligible people under the age of of 70. You're getting a date, an appointment at your nearest vaccination centre. Uh, 
this week boosters are available to 60 to 69 year olds and people, the vulnerable people, people in the at-risk group. And then the HSC say that they're moving down to the 50 to 59 year olds in December. Now December is tomorrow. So do we take it from tomorrow? People aged 50 to 59 will start to receive appointments. GPs, of course, are continuing to do the over 70s. They've most of the over 70s, I think, done at this stage. And the last available figure I could get was up to and including last Sunday, which was a very busy day, a lot of the vaccination centres. And 699,600 people had received a booster shot at that uh, stage. Some vaccination centres are doing walk-in booster shots, but you need to check with the HSE website to find out which centre is doing walk-ins because I don't want people turning up uh, at, say, someplace like uh, City Hall, which I know for a fact is only doing booster shots by uh, appointments. Pharmacies, I mentioned this yesterday as well, and we had a number of people saying that they contacted their pharmacies and, and had already received their booster from their pharmacy. Check in with the uh, pharmacies uh, to see what they are doing. And again, you can get a list of the participating pharmacies if you go to the uh, HSC uh, website. Now, there's a report in the papers today that some vaccination centres lost up to half of their staff and that was because of cutbacks when demand for vaccinations was low. That is now leading to increased pressures on the number attending as we're ramping up the booster shots and that would explain the numbers of people that were queuing at the weekend, particularly the ones that went to the walk-in centres. There was five RQs in Dublin, two RQs in uh, Cork City. There's also, of course, fewer vaccination uh, centres. There's just 36 open at the moment and of that 36, some of them are only smaller centres that are doing limited hours. When you think we had 42 very large vaccination centres open at the high point of the year. I mean, for example, our neighbours across the border in Kerry, the Killarney Vaccination Centre, that's now gone. Um, so it leaves them with just Tralee. And we heard from a number of people in Kerry that they've been sent for their vaccination. Some have been sent to Tralee, but others have been sent to us here in Cork for a booster shot. Now, the HSC are saying that they're accelerating the recruitment. They're bringing back, for example, retired uh, staff. And the programme increases on a phased basis as the advice change changes. So they're doing their best to try to get in as many people as they can but the message certainly yesterday from Tony Houlihan was please prioritise your vaccine appointment if you get a date for your vaccine appointment please uh, attend and if you get one and you have already had your booster shot, it's important that you cancel because they've found that there have been no-shows, but a lot of the no-shows are because, because people already have their booster shot already. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, all of the public representatives in the East Cork area are collectively fighting to get the HSE to reverse its decision to close the Onakara Centre, which is a mental health facility in Middleton. To bring us up to date on the latest on the story, I'm joined by Green Party Councillor for East Cork and that's Liam, uh, Liam Quaid. Uh, good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, all of the East Cork councillors, you all met with HSE management last Thursday. Talk me through how that meeting went and what came out of that meeting. 
Yeah, thanks, Tricia. So the first um, the first thing that they um, confirmed, which was very welcome, is that uh, they're going to appear before the Oireachtas uh, Joint Health Committee um, in early December. So this was on foot of a referral that myself and eight other public reps from the Middleton Yall and uh, Cove Carrytool area met back in uh, mid-October. Um, so we basically wrote to the Oireachtas Health Committee because we had had a meeting of the Mental Health Committee on the 21st of September, which left us with um, many more questions than answers about the rationale for closure and also the suitability of alternative facilities. Um, and we wanted to, I suppose, bring back some political scrutiny to this. Um, so actually last week, um, the uh, a delegation of that committee were, were meant to visit um, Onakura and St. Stephen's Hospital for comparison, um, but that couldn't go ahead because of rising COVID cases in the community. So the, the committee, despite having a very busy schedule with a lot of issues of national significance, have decided nevertheless to prioritise examination of the closure, uh, the proposed closure. Um, so this is very good news. Um, I, I suppose the, the other thing is that at the, at the meeting um, last week, uh, with the East Cork councillors, local HSC management briefed us that they intended liaising with Cork County Council and housing associations about the possibility of building new housing units for mental health service users on the site of the Onakura Centre. That's good news. Now, that sounded like very a very promising breakthrough initially, but um, on further questioning, it transpired that um, they couldn't give me any details whatsoever on how many residents they expected would be accommodated on such a um, uh, in, in such a facility or a set of facilities, um, they also had no budgetary commitments whatsoever uh, backing it up. So this is in contrast with back in May, they um, they committed 4.5 million to a radical um, renovation of the Carrigmore facility in in Cork City. Um, the the other the, the more worrying aspect of this is that um, the two managers who spoke on this were adamant that any any new housing units that may be built there, and we're talking about three to four years realistically before that would materialise, would not be 24-hour staffed. So you, you might be familiar, yeah. Patricia, with um, North Cork community residences, uh, Solis Nua in yeah, Mallow, yeah. Koshala in, in Cantorc, and Carrigabrick in Fermoy. They're all 24-hour staffed. Um, they have 14 rooms in each residence, all single en suite. So that amounts to 42 um, placements for the North Cork uh, adult mental but health But the 24-hour staffing is vital yes. for those for the for the residents living in those units. Absolutely. Now, I, I, I do agree with um, the Chief Officer Michael Fitzgerald when he says that we need different models of care. We need um, a certain element of supported living whereby people who, who have quite a degree of independence will will be able to um, w- w- will be able to meet their, their goals, will be able to flourish with a degree of, of staff input. But there are um, a, a certain cohort of, client, of of service users who do require 24-hour absolutely, care. Absolutely, absolutely. Supported living is a brilliant idea and a brilliant suggestion, but it has to run side by side with residents who need more than supported living. Yeah, and, and like you, you've had family members on your show who have talked about their relatives and their relatives have flourished 
in the Onacora Centre, but they have they have flourished within a framework of 24-hour staffed care, and the the progress that they have made has generally been very very gradual over a long period of time, involving continuity of care with several clinicians. Um, so all of that, I suppose, all the foundations of all of that support system are, you know, um, going to be ripped up basically if we. Um, a go along with a plan of dismantling these services in Middleton with no um, with, with no kind of meaningful replacement. Uh, something that I that I kind of explored further with um, the managers last week was so what are the what are the alternatives for people who do require twenty four hour staffed residential care and. Really, really um, it's St. Stephen's Hospital and St. Finbar's Hospital, which will be the more likely alternatives because there are community residences in North Cork. Um, there's going to be one in, in Carrigaline. There, there are uh, two in, in West Cork and there's a number in the city. But what happens is, and, and this is rightly uh, the case, those residences will, will fill up with um, service users from those catchment areas. You're not meant to. You're not meant to be transferred to West Cork if you're from East Cork, or or to North Cork for that matter. So, what will be the most likely alternatives will be um, ward-based settings. Um, you know, including uh, wards that have dorm-style bedrooms. That and are we not meant to be moving away from that model of care? Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's a very retrograde step. Um, and I think unless you work in the services or unless you have a family member with severe and enduring mental illness, it's very difficult to appreciate the reality of what's been proposed. Um, most people with severe and enduring mental illness can live in the community without the need for intensive support or, or indeed placement. Um, but those who do require such placements, who don't have places like Onakura, uh to be referred to, the 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 outcomes for those service users are, are very, very grim. Um, the Mental Health Commission has, has written about this. So the, the, the very common outcomes that you see is some, some of those adults live up, end up living with ageing parents who are unable to cope. Many end up stranded indefinitely in long-stay wards where their quality of life is poor, and um, some end up living in very precarious situations in the community at risk of homelessness, suicide, addiction, in and out of acute wards uh, settings. It's dreadful. dreadful. And by the way, has there been any engineering report done on the existing building, which I know the families themselves were asking for at the very start when all this first broke, that they were going to close it because of the condition of the building? A number of reports were provided to us um, on works that were deemed essential for the building. And those independent reports set out the works that needed to be done. In 2021, then, the HSC Maintenance Department um, produced their own report where they basically made a claim that essential renovations were were impossible to carry out, that in order to do essential renovations, you have to demolish the building. At the Oireachtas meeting on the 21st of September, um, Nessa Horrigan, who's an architect, really kind of looked into this, and she asked what, what new building survey, if any, um, was done in order to arrive at such a drastic conclusion. And at that meeting, Michael Fitzgerald, the chief officer, wasn't able to answer the question and he committed to following up um, afterwards. But we haven't heard any answer to that question since. Okay. You're right in saying that in mid-October, um, one family member wrote on behalf of three families 
asking could they appoint an independent structural engineer to assess the feasibility of renovations. It wasn't until five weeks later that they got a refusal letter on that. And the uh, reason for the refusal? The it, it was it was quite a convoluted um, kind of response, basically stating that um, because the service users would have different needs that an engineer may not be able to um, kind of ascertain and because they would have to comply with Mental Health Commission standards, that it, basically a report would have to be internal to the HSE that an external report. Stressful, stressful. It, 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 really okay. There's so much more uh, debate is needed here, but but I think you know. Let's take the positives out of it. They're going to go back. They're going to go in before the Arachthus, um Health Committee, and let's see if we can get answers uh, from from there. Okay. And in the meantime, are 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 all of the residents still in Onakara? Um, my understanding is that. The, 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 a small number of residents are are on the move, but I, I don't have a okay. I don't have a complete confirmation of that. Right. I, okay. I, the, the majority of residents, as far as I'm aware, are still there. Okay, and and, and I think one thing that really needs to be um, noted is that this um, kind of softening of the, of the closure date, you know, which was kind of greeted as as a positive development by some people, has actually plunged families into a much more distressing state of uncertainty. Because it's one thing to know that you're losing your long-standing home by a certain date, but if you're told you're, you're losing your home, but you don't know when, what, you know, is it going to happen in a few weeks or a few months, that's actually a much more... It's adding to the event. stress. Completely adding to the stress. Yep. Okay, listen, we'll keep in contact with you, Liam. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for updating us. Thanks uh, very much. Good morning to you. That is a Green Party councillor for East Cork, Liam Quaid. Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Hi, this is Nick and afternoons are all about Cork's greatest hits. I hear you some wire and needs a fixin', ma'am. The name's Buzz, on account of my work. No chance. Not all cowboys ride horses. All safe electric registered electrical contractors must give you a certificate of completion that shows their work meets approved standards. Find one nearby on safeelectric.ie. Cards delivered and on their way. The tinking bells on Santa's sleigh. Lips under mistletoe waiting to be kissed. A trip to Wilton Shopping Centre. Not to be missed. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a trip to Wilton Shopping Centre. With so many shops under one roof. Open late right up to Christmas Eve. WiltonShoppingCentre.ie If your child is aged 12 to 15, you can register for your free COVID-19 vaccine. All children in this age group will be offered a vaccine, but it's especially important for children with high-risk health conditions or if a family member is more at risk. Participating pharmacies and GPs now offer free COVID-19 vaccines. For more information and to register, visit hse.ie. From the HSE. 
At Argos, get rewarded whilst you save this Black Friday. Spend 50 euro or more and get a 5 euro voucher. Or spend 100 euro or more and get a 10 euro voucher. Life's here. Be ready. Argos. Black Friday vouchers offered until 30th of November. Redemption 1st to 24th of December 2021. Inclusive in-store only. Subject to availability while stocks last. We're waiting for a 19 million euro lotto jackpot winner. In the meantime, lotto players have been winning massive prizes. In fact, since the start of October, we've given away 14.2 million euro worth of lotto prizes. So get your ticket for Wednesday's draw. The National Lottery. It could be you. Play responsibly. Play for fun. Farmers know all about running a busy operation. They have their own instincts to help, of course, as well as centuries of experience handed down from one generation to the next. And then there's new ideas and innovations that are helping farmers work smarter today and safeguarding their farms for tomorrow. AXA Smart Farm Insurance is here to help too. In fact, it's the only policy where you can benefit from discounts of up to 30% if you have a low claims record. For a quote, search axa.ie forward slash farm. AXA. Know you can. Terms and conditions apply. Claims free in your farm for the past three years. Windscreen claims are excluded. AXA Insurance DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you are looking for a brand new true crime podcast, listen to The Making of a Detective. Brought to you by The Irish Sun. The series is out right now and focuses on many of Ireland's most notorious cases and the man who once solved them. In episode one, Pat Murray's story begins with the historic 2007 conviction of the murderer Joe O'Reilly. Put his thumb up and he's going to see a Pat like, you know, as if to say, F you, you can't get me. Follow along as we share the dramatic details of each case. Download The Making of a Detective. Brought to you by the Irish Sun. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. I've been holding on to pieces, swimming in the deep end, trying to find my way back to you because I need a little bit of love. Lately I've been counting stars And I'm sorry that I broke your heart It's something that I didn't want for you But I'm stepping on broken glass And I know this is my final choice All I'm trying to do is find my path to you I got voices in my head and there's a definite silence I got voices in my head and I can lie I've been holding on to pieces Swimming Just thinking of you Now I'm knocking on 
That's music from Tom Grennan on C103 and that is a little bit of love. We've got news at 11 in the next hour. We're going to talk about antigen tests, the government's decision not to subsidise them. Should antigen tests be given out free as they've done in the UK? Your thoughts welcomed on that. Let's take a break though and head to the newsroom at 11. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Michael John from Roscarbury. Because yesterday, Michael John in Roscarbury won the C103 Bingo Daily Panel Prize of €1,700. It's a nice way to start his Christmas in Roscarbury. And he purchased his ticket at Ryan's Filling Station in Roscarbury. So congratulations, Michael uh, John. And of course, lots of ways to win here on C103, including our super value gift cards that we're giving away across this week and next week in total. Total, we're going to give away €5,000 worth of Super Value gift cards. We are planning on having Christmas covered and your chance to win a €500 festive shopping spree. How do you do it? You have to listen at 9 in the morning with Ken, 2 in the afternoon with Nick and then 5 o'clock with Martina and Christmas bells are played at 9, at 2 and at 5. You have to make a note of how many times the bell rings at nine, two and uh, five. And then Martina texts WhatsApp. You send in the total amount to be in with your chance to win. And yesterday we had our first winner of 500 euro. And this is how it all went down. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Most of the time people say hello when they answer the phone. Hello, Diana Coughlin in Drimley. Oh, Martina, I'm so, so happy to hear your voice. (laughs) Well, you know what? I've got this whole fanfare to play out for you to let you know you might be a winner. Here we go. Diana, you are on the ball. Uh, gosh, you had to fight your way through so many texts and WhatsApps, I have to tell you. But uh, you are our winner on C103's Christmas Covered today. Thank you. I've been listening all day. Oh, that's fantastic. Just to, to let us know, tell us yourself, how many Christmas bells did we actually play out? So 15 in total. I think it was six, five and four. You're absolutely spot on. Woo-hoo! Well done. Diana, it's a super value gift card worth uh, 500 euro. That's oh your festive God. shopping spree. Uh, do you have a local super value in the vicinity? I do. Fields and Skibbereen is the absolute best. Oh. It's the only one I go to and I do my big shop there every week and I will be delighted to spend it there. Oh, fantastic. So if you were going to do the shop any day now soon, just stall the digger for a moment. Wait till you get your hands on that voucher, all right? Oh my God, you've made my day. Thank you, Martina. You're the best. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to C103. That is Diane uh, Coughlin, our winner yesterday. Congratulations to you, uh, Diana. We'll spend her money in the fabulous Fields Super Value in uh, Skibbereen. Hopefully you've already made note of the bells that were rung with Ken at nine. Again at two, you've got to listen and again at uh, five to be in with a chance uh, to win on C103's Christmas covered with Super Value gift cards. Perfect for every occasion. They're available in store 
are for an e-gift card that then can be sent with a personal message and you can find out more about them on SuperValue uh, search SuperValueGiftCards.ie and you can listen uh, make sure you're listening weekdays though 9am 2pm and 5pm to win here on C103 and this Friday we have a free Panto Friday we're giving away tickets for Aladdin at the Everyman in uh, Cork listen right across the day and you'll be able to win a family pass to go and enjoy all the magic and fun of uh, Panto here on C103. So loads and loads and loads of way to win. Now, some of your thoughts coming in. Before we get to some of your thoughts already coming into the programme, I'm I, I'm interested in listeners' thoughts on this. I spotted this yesterday on Twitter and it's uh, a lady here in Cork but up on Twitter and so it begins. The annual collection for the teacher's Christmas present, which she says she's absolutely no problem uh, contributing to. But in the case of her children's school, a spreadsheet is put up on the parents' WhatsApp group and then the spreadsheet gets filled in to say who effectively has paid and who hasn't. And obviously you would think the the thinking behind it is it shames the parents to make sure that they contribute and contribute quickly so that their name can go up on the spreadsheet. And seemingly back in the summer, what happened similar spreadsheet was put up at the end of the school year and the parents were asked to contribute by other parents now can I say not by the teachers not by the school and all of the parents contributed duly and their names went up on the spreadsheet and then a card was sent around and all the children's names were signed on the card and then the card was posted up a copy of the card was posted up on the WhatsApp group and everybody's name was on the card except for two little children whose family for whatever reason maybe couldn't afford to contribute to the present at the end of the summer and maybe won't be able to afford to contribute to the present, particularly at the most expensive time of the year. And I just couldn't believe when I saw it. I mean, there was a huge reaction on uh, Twitter to it, including one person said it was a bit like, remember back in the old days when the priest would get up on the pulpit and they'd call out who had paid their dues and who hadn't. It was kind of you were shamed into paying because your name was called out because you hadn't paid. But, you know, a lot of people were just saying couldn't believe that that was going on in, in this day and age. And just to say, and and this particular mum again defended defended the school and defended the teachers, saying it's nothing to do with the school, nothing to do with the teachers. It's a parent who is in this WhatsApp group that has decided to take upon uh, himself, herself, I don't know if it's a male or a female uh, parent, decided to set up this spreadsheet. I mean, I just could not believe that any other parent would do that. Okay, I don't have a problem with these WhatsApp groups. Uh, and filling, you know, giving information around to the different parents. I don't have an issue uh, with it. And I even don't have an issue if you want to go down that route of everybody chipping in on a present rather than the children all coming in with a, a candle or a box of chocolates or whatever you're having yourself. And, you know, that way get the teacher one decent present rather than 20, 25 smaller presents. I don't have an issue around that. But if there are some families who don't want to or who can't contribute, I don't think those children's name should be left off the Christmas card. Or to me, a card should be sent in saying, you know, dear Mrs. whatever your name is, you know, happy Christmas from everybody in third class, from everybody in first class. Do you really have to name the children at all? I really was quite taken aback by it. But it got me then thinking we're at that time of year again when parents will be considering buying presents for their teachers. Now, over the years, we've dealt with this 
topic on many, many occasions. We've had some parents contact us to say they've had a note home from the school saying that the the teachers have asked not, please don't give presents this year. I have friends of mine who are teachers who say they don't want the presents. I mean, they're not going to say no to them, but they, you know, they say straight out they never ask for the presents. We've heard over the years from charity shops who say they do very well from the Christmas presents that are dropped into the teachers that come January. Many local teachers will be filling up the charity shops with the presents that they get because they don't want all of these small gifts. But some schools are very proactive about this and will actually send a note home saying, please do not give presents. I've heard of some schools suggesting instead that if you want to do something to honour your teacher, make a donation to a local charity instead. We had one teacher one year, I remember, who sent who herself sent a note home to all of the parents saying that what she wanted this Christmas was a homemade Christmas card from each of her pupils because she said that was something that she would cherish for many, many years uh, to come. So your thoughts welcomed um, the Christmas present for the teachers. Is it happening widely? And are many others, have, has anybody else or is anybody else in a situation where there is a group WhatsApp among the parents where someone went to the bother of putting up a spreadsheet and the spreadsheet clearly shows who pays, who doesn't pay. And if you don't pay, then Johnny or Mary's name is not going on the Christmas card. So the teacher will know that there was just two little ones in the class who didn't contribute. I mean, there's something radically wrong with that system uh, for sure. So let us know, please, your thoughts on presence for teachers. And as I say, this is in no way reflecting on teachers because in the main, the teachers don't ask for those presents. 1850-333-103. Marion Mallow has been on to us and John Paul says it's not the only person who's been on to say, why, oh why, can't we get our booster jabs done in Mallow? Why are they making everybody go to the city? vaccination centre in Carrigoon in Mallow is closed. I don't know if they have any plans to reopen it. I did mention earlier that the HSE are trying to recruit extra staff for the vaccination centres. We now have less vaccination centres open than we had at the height of the vaccination. There was a lull for obvious reasons. Most people got vaccinated. Then there was a bit of a lull. But now we're back with and we are going to be back with the with everyone who received a vaccine getting a booster. Now I know they'll say you only need one jab, you don't need two like the previous uh, one. Uh, but the, we're t- getting onto the HSE to see if they have any plans to reopen the Mallow vaccination centre because for now everyone who gets called to a vaccination centre from North Cork rather than go to Mallow and obviously Mary's living in Mallow so it was very handy for her to have it in Mallow but people from other parts of North Cork travelled to Mallow. Everyone now is going to the city which obviously then is leading to the city uh, vaccination centres being so much uh, busier. 1850-333-103. Bear with us, uh, Mary. We are getting onto the HSC to see if they can update us. We're also, of course, waiting on the, we know that the Cabinet are meeting to see what's happening with travel. Bernie's been on, on email to say, does anybody know what's going to happen to us or what do we need to do? We're going to the Canaries on holidays. Well, I would suggest you, you only need to check in with travel restrictions to and from the Canaries. I know uh, the Canaries always are what they have been doing since they Re- reopened. Uh, once you're fully vaccinated, you can you can get into the Canary Islands. Now, obviously, in the last couple of days, the Canaries who will fall in under 
the rules of Spain, won't they? They've changed in that people need to have COVID tests done 48 hours before arriving. But they're the people that are coming from the high risk areas like the African uh, countries. Everybody else, uh, anybody over the age of uh, 12 needs to have a vaccination search. But I would say check in. And what you're going to have to do is in the days leading up to your travelling, you're going to have to check in because things to do with travel and things to do with COVID and this Omicron variant are changing all of the time and almost changing on an hourly level on an hour by hour so you're just really going to have to check in and then when you're when you're away you're also going to have to keep an eye on your news feed to see what has changed while you're away before re-entry back into this country. It really is a bit of a nightmare at the moment travelling anywhere. 1850 333 103 on booster shots. Uh, hi Trish, this is from Trish. Uh, it says, I got my booster jab in my GP surgery when I got an appointment then to attend City Hall through a text. I did ring and I did speak to a gentleman and he said, look, I'll cancel that appointment for you. And then he said, please ignore any further notification you come, you get from us because it will take some time for the information from your GP surgery to filter through the system to be updated on the computer. Well, I can tell you, Sister I'm getting more texts almost on a daily basis to tell me, oh, you've ignored your appointment. Does the right hand know what the left hand is doing? And by the way, Sister Trish, I do reply reject to every text I get and well done for doing that because that's annoying and it's frustrating and I do think it's one of the reasons why we keep hearing that there are a number of no-shows and it isn't a no-show because certainly the volume of calls we're getting from people who are desperate to get their booster people are not not showing up for a booster jab the no-shows are to do with the fact that somebody already got their booster somewhere else and they're trying to get the information or the HSE, the information is trying to filter through on the computer. There does seem to be a bit of a timeline delay on that and I've heard about it for, for people, for example, who got a booster jab at their local pharmacy and they're constantly getting texts from the HSE saying you haven't turned up for your vaccination, please reschedule the date. But you're right, keep, keep clicking reject so that that appointment can go on to somebody else and hopefully the right hand will find out what the left hand is doing it and it will all get uh, sorted out. Let me go back to presents for teachers. Uh, the lovely Eileen on Bear Island has contacted us. Good morning to Eileen. Good morning Patricia. And how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Okay, very now well. you yeah. want to pick up on just, p- presents for presents teachers. And, and yeah. Well, not exactly presents for teachers but presents in general, you okay. know, and I just feel that there's so much money being spent on on presents, and and um, I just told John Paul a little story about myself and my own. My mother was a lone parent, okay. and um, we never had money because you know she, she just didn't have money for Christmas presents. And in that era, you know, we we didn't get senti as such. But one Christmas morning, I can't remember now. I was either nine or ten years old, and my mother, my sister, and myself slept in the same bed. And um, I woke up, and inside in a sock, right, was an orange and a pencil with a rubber on the end of it. And I was in heaven. <laughs> and I, to this day, I'm nearly 75 now, and to this day, I'll never forget that feeling I had to see those things yeah. inside in that sock. They were so special to you. Oh, my God. I remember I remember vividly the pencil with the rubber because, you know, in school, other children had pencils with rubbers. I never had one. Yeah. You know, and I just—I didn't even want to use it. I kept looking at it. You know, it was so precious, and yeah. the orange, of course, the smell of the orange, and 
But I mean, when I think of it now, you know what it must have cost my mother. You know, I know, to I to, know, to I know. Try to actually and like get they were, yeah. And you're, and and you know, God knows, there's families struggling this year as well. Well, that's it. Well, that's it. You see, that's it. And I just think it's unfair sometimes that some children get so much and others don't. And and you know. It's so I, I think people, you know, if people shop in charity shops and little gifts, it, it, try to make children understand that, you know, a little gift means a lot. And, you know, I, I love the the make and do. If you can do oh, yeah, like yeah, ho- yeah. little homemade, there's something really special about, uh, you know, somebody sitting down and spending, whether it be it an adult or a child, but somebody spending time, time making a gift. Time making yeah. something for you. Yeah. But, but just to have your family with you at Christmas, I think in these times, is more precious than any gift. Camille, what, what will you be doing for Christmas this year? Well, I'm hoping that yeah. my daughter will be with me, but that all depends on COVID. I know. You know? Did you get it your booster? Depends. I did. I good, did. Good, but good. if she will be able to come home or not. But look, I'll, I'll leave it in the lap of God and we'll see what happens. Yeah, please God, but, everything um, will be fine. Everything it will, will be fine. It will, yeah. And you, yeah. Have to, you have to keep looking forward, not backwards. That's it. And you've got that great get up and go about you <laughs> and long may it last. Yeah. Listen, look so after yourself. So maybe people should just think on it. It's just a little thing means a lot. It does. Look after yourself and have a happy All Christmas right, if I don't speak to you. God bless. You too, Patricia, and your family. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Okay. The lovely Eileen out on uh, Bear Island. Margaret in the city says the person that set up that spreadsheet uh, for the parents group naming all of the children who have the families that have contrib- contributed she said should be named and shamed it's a horrible thing to do to any child well everybody in the WhatsApp group know, will know exactly who's uh, who's doing it and Imelda in Carrie Tool said just awful to leave a child's name off a Christmas card out of goodwill surely you'd put all of the children's name down on the card regardless of whether the parent was able to contribute or not it is just pure cruel something like that should not be happening today and teachers don't don't expect it anyway in the first place yeah and that's why I jumped in straight away to defend saying this is nothing to do with uh, teachers but you know when I saw that tweet yesterday and realised what had happened in the summer with the two little kiddies names not being put on the card you know the way other children talk and they'll overhear the mammies talking with somebody saying, God, did you see that so-and-so didn't contribute to the parents? You know, the way you'll just get somebody making a comment about it. And your fear would be that that'll some way trickle down to the children in the class and in some way it'll be passed on to the two little ones who's, you know, for whatever reason. And I don't know the reason why the parents didn't contribute. Maybe they bought their own presents. I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, they were in a situation that they couldn't afford to give anything. You know, a fiver, whatever it was. You know, a fiver can be, if you have very little money, a fiver is a lot of money to a family on a very limited, tight uh, budget. Uh, so it's the kids. It's absolutely the children that I think of. 1850-333-103, lines open. C103 Jobs. Irish Wheelchair Association, they've got vacancies for programme assistant drivers. It's in Clonakilty and in Mallow. You need to apply through their website, which is iwa.ie. A creative individual with a background in graphic design, please, is required for Mitchellstown. Please contact the edit, email the editor at avendupress.ie. Lorry driver with a full C licence is wanted for work in Charleville. Email your CV to info at 
cphlimited.ie. And the Clonakilty Park Hotel, they've got a vacancy for a kitchen porter. CVs, please, to mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. The government has abandoned plans to subsidise antigen tests. The Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, said the private market has lowered costs, lessening the need for taxpayers' money to be spent. Social Democrats say it's a dereliction of duty for the government not to go ahead with plans to subsidise antigen testing. And joining me, West Cork Social Democrat, uh, that's uh, Dole Deputy Holly Kearns. Good morning to you, Holly. Hi, Patricia. Um, You're welcome to the programme. Were you surprised to hear the Minister announce that he wasn't going to go ahead with subsidising antigen tests? Very much so. And I suppose added to the surprise was that the Minister just announced the kind of U-turn of this scale um, as an aside in a media interview on radio after senior ministers spent weeks assuring people that a subsidy scheme was nearing completion and the government has now just washed its hands of any responsibility in the provision of antigen tests. Um, So at the start of the month, we know that NEF had changed its advice on antigen tests and advised that anyone engaged in so-called risky activities, which of course can be summarised as leaving your home, essentially, um, should take two antigen tests per week and in recognition of the increased kind of financial burden that that would place on households, particularly low income households, um, the government opted to provide a subsidy scheme for antigen tests and I think everyone was in agreement, in agreement with that. Um, and now of course we've learned that because antigen tests are available in some retailers for approximately three or four euro tests. Now that's not all retailers Patricia, so that's important to note so it depends what retail outlets you have access to. Some of them are still eight or nine euro but because of that the government is scrapping its the, the, um its proposed subsidy and apparently yeah. believes that it's an affordable price for households. Because uh, I, I, I saw, I think it was in the Irish Independent today, one of their journalists uh, did a kind of a, a run around the country uh, uh, ringing, um, I'm assuming, places to find out how much antigen tests uh, were. Um, they were as high as €8 Euro in some areas and as low, around the €3 Euro mark uh, seems to be the cheapest, €3, €4 Euro is what it seems to be uh, on average. But if you have a family of four, testing even twice a week at three yeah. euro that's 24 euro a week at, and at four euro that's 32 euro a, a week that can be a lot of money for a family I think that's it just it shows how kind of out of touch the government is in relation to you know what people can afford 400 euro per month is a lot of money and you know we're in the midst of a huge cost of living crisis and the failure to make antigen tests genuinely affordable obviously means tens of thousands of people won't be able to use them, which means that a very vital tool that has been a long time coming in Ireland at our disposal to limit the spread of COVID will go unused. You know, that, that's the reality. People won't use them if they can't afford them. Um, there's a strong argument, Patricia, to make that antigen tests should be free, particularly for low-income and fixed-income households, like uh, households with a pension, um, while we try and suppress the latest wave, not to mention to prevent the spread of the you know, potentially dangerous new variants. Um, but instead, the government's opted to just deny families of even a small subsidy of tests. 
But you and, wouldn't, and I mean, you wouldn't be say, suggesting free to everybody. I mean, if you look to what happened in, in the UK, the free to everybody backfired a little bit on them because people started stockpiling them. You know, once you put up free yes. over anything, uh, people have no, a tendency the, to go a bit mad. But you're saying low income families. Low income and fixed income, for yeah. example, pension, you know, because a hundred yeah. euro a month, like you said, it's a lot like and. I suppose it's easy to say like, oh, you know, oftentimes it can feel, I think, like people in opposition, you're just kind of shouting from the sidelines saying, you know, this and that and where would the money come from? But in the context of the tens of billions that has already been spent by the government in its COVID response, this is a decision that makes no sense to either public health or on financial grounds. So the cost would be for the government would be 30 million per week. This is, say, based on them all being free. So it's not even, you know, what, what you were talking about there. Um, but like I said, we've already spent tens of billions and spending money now to ensure COVID is detected in the community so we can suppress it, reduce ICU numbers, hospital admissions, all of this sense. Like to not do that makes no sense on public health grounds or on financial grounds. The cost of another lockdown would be multiples of the cost of a subsidy. And, uh, you know, on top of that, we need antigen tests to be accessible, affordable and reliable. Like where is the quality control? if they're leaving it up to the private market to provide them. There is none. And Actually, we that's, a question that, all, that's a question yeah. that's come in from a lot of our listeners saying, are all the antigen tests the same standard from the most expensive down to the cheapest? I mean, eight euro down to, I think the minister said yesterday you could get one for one ninety uh, for one ninety nine in one of the discount stores. Is there a difference between those two antigen tests? Yeah, was, I, I heard uh, Professor Sam McConkie talking about the difference in the quality of the different tests, which is why we need very clear government guidelines on which ones we should and shouldn't be using and are they the affordable or the unaffordable ones. You know, all of this is just, there's been no planning or thought put into this. And, you know, like there's been a really prolonged denial of the benefits of antigen testing in this country, despite, you know, the chief scientific officer doing a report commissioned by the minister, all of these things. We finally have it now. And this is what we're seeing, you know, weeks of ministers and um, and and. Uh, government TDs promising a subsidised antigen uh, programme and then just a complete U-turn on that because some retail outlets are providing them for cheaper. There's no guarantee that that price will stay the same. You can't rely well, on the private market. Well, I tell you, Tim, one of our listeners, I think, has made a very good point on the antigen tests and saying uh, the government have said they won't subs- subsidise them now because businesses have brought the pr- prices down. Tim says, I suspect the shops and the larger stores brought down the prices to get rid of their stock in anticipation of subsidies. I wonder, will prices start to creep up again? And we've no way of knowing if they if the what supermarkets yeah. decide, well, you know, if there's a run on these antigen tests, we can make money out of these. Exactly. And that's why we have governments that we can rely on to ensure that the public interest is being protected, not just the private interest of companies. And, you know, obviously, you know, we've seen... Um, you know, in, in relation to schools, is something we've been calling for antigen testing for a long time. And the state has, you know, rolled out antigen tests for primary schools since yesterday, I think it is. Yeah. Um, a very delayed measure that should have been brought in a long time ago. But it's important to know that under this scheme, children can only apply to the HSE to get free antigen tests if they are a close contact of a child in their class who's been tested positive. It doesn't mean the tests are free for children generally. So this antigen scheme, you know, it won't mean that all children who are going to school will be able to to take two tests a week depending on whether or not their family can afford it and the scheme only applies to primary school not secondary school children and you see then as a result of all of these kind of half-hearted measures that really aren't having the impact that they could have the really positive profound impact on the spread of the infection and um, we're, we're hearing things like now children are going to have to reduce their contacts you know 
the, the, the well, Nefert are saying that, you know, the big rise in cases is between the 5 to 11 year olds uh, who are then bringing it home and passing it on to other family members. So something has to be done, but everything has to be done to try to stop the spread. And if antigen tests can identify cases quicker, then that is the way to go. Exactly, Patricia. And the other very obvious thing in relation to airborne diseases is the conversation around air filtration. And, you know, for some time we weren't quite sure and a lot of the emphasis was put on hand sanitizers. That is completely understandable. But for a very long time now, we have known that this disease is airborne and that the best way to tackle it is through um, cleaning the air. And to, to introduce uh, or to, to, to put a HEPA filter in every classroom in this country would have cost 12 million. We've now spent more than that on hand sanitizers for schools, which are not as effective. There still is no plan to, to, to put HEPA filters into classrooms. Instead, they're asking children not to go to the panto. Do you know what I mean? So I think what's really frustrating is just the abdication of responsibility of government and then putting responsibility onto, you know, everybody in the country. We hear about personal responsibility all the time, but now onto children. And now they're really looking at things like mask wearing for, for primary school children. You know, why haven't the measures that could have prevented these kind of um, deaths been put in place by HEPA filters. Are you, know, you, are you worried about the Omicron variant, Holly? I think everyone is. And, you know, I think that kind of brings us on to a bigger point around the TRIPS waiver. Viruses are very quick to develop and quick to spread. And I'm, I'm not a medical scientist, but I am a plant scientist. And we deal with viruses in the plant world too. And like viruses don't have time for half measures. So vaccinating, you know, some parts of the population, but not all parts of the population, for example, really creates the perfect environment for the virus to grow and adapt mm. against vaccines and to become, you know, for vaccines to become less um, effective. So, I mean, it is a much bigger and broader point, Patricia, but I think it's a really important one that people still aren't able to access the vaccine because they, you know, are from a less well-off country. And that is... Yeah, I, think I mean, I, I thought the world, the world Health Organization yesterday, I thought were really strong, you know, saying COVID-19 is not done with us and all the hard won gains could vanish in an instant. And, you know, and to yeah. see figures that uh, the G20 countries have received and we're included 80 percent of the world's vaccines. And I mean, there's no country in the world we can't vaccinate ourselves out of this uh, pandemic. And this no. it isn't charity to give vaccines to the underdeveloped uh, world. It's it's in all of our interests. Absolutely. And we can see that like recently America has been quite strong on this, you know, in terms of the trips waiver. So Europe is really seems to be the one who's holding back. Yeah, it does and seem to be an Europe. absolute disgrace. Yeah. And then um, to hear yesterday that some African countries saying that, you know, countries that did send on vaccines, which was, you know, generous of them, when they arrived, their sell-by date was nearly gone and they, they couldn't get them out to people. And you just thought, God, that's just adding insult to injury. It's almost like oh, we can't use these, so we'll offload them to a third world uh, country. Anyway, I think it's a bit of a wake up uh, call for everybody. OK, listen, Holly, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks Thank for joining you. us uh, on the programme. Good morning to you. That is West Cork Social Democrat, uh, Doll Deputy. That is Holly Kearns, 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, last Saturday night, the first of a two part TV series was aired on Virgin Media One called 
the Battle of the Christmas Lights. Two neighbouring families, and they literally are neighbouring families from Drumahan in North Cork, are going head to head to be crowned Ireland's Christmas champions. To catch up with them, I'm joined by Noreen Murphy and Jess O'Mahony. Good morning to you, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, and did you enjoy watching yourself on TV last Saturday night, Noreen? Um, do you know what? We th- I thought it would be a lot more embarrassing and cringy, but uh, we actually enjoyed it. We watched it together, and it was it was it was lovely. Even the kids loved it. So, it was fun. And, and Jess, whose house did you go into? So we went to Noreen's was for um, for last Saturday's, and we'll be going to Ireland's for this Saturday's. <laughs> And yeah. I can't ask you which is more Christmassy at the moment because we want we want to wait for the big reveal. Yeah, at, you'll have to wait and see. Yeah, next Saturday night. Okay, Noreen, talk to me. How did you both decide to get involved in this TV series? Um, a friend of mine, Lisa, spotted the casting call and um, yeah, she was kind enough to put me forward for it. And then did you did you have to get Jess involved or how did that happen? <clears throat> so when Eve came out, the casting director, to speak to us, um, she was kind of looking at the two houses together and she was asking so how would your neighbours feel about so the lights and so the mayhem that would be going on and I was like they'd probably love it and they'd be helping out so she kind of asked would they like to get involved or would they so we knocked on the door and <laughs> was getting involved and Jess you were delighted for the knock on the door were you? Oh my god yeah I kind of said something along the lines of sign me up before I could talk myself out of it you know <laughs> it's, you know, when opportunity knocks you shouldn't turn it away as much as I was kind of freaking out about it <laughs> and, and Jess yeah, yeah. How, how long have you both been neighbours? Oh um, over three years just over oh, three years okay. yeah, so not too long Okay so you haven't had time to fall out yet is what I'm asking not yet, But then so. again we, we had lockdowns together and we spent most of, of the lockdowns you know in our respective front gardens yeah. you know socially distanced trying to, to keep each other sane through all the madness yeah. so I think we probably got to know each other more than, than some neighbours who might have lived next to each other for decades you know Yeah you were in your own um, your own little bubble Exactly when, when was it actually filmed? Um, so it's all over the last kind of month or so. All right, what's that? Um, from that, that time when they knocked on our front door, it kind of started the week after that. Um, and it all kind of happened very, very quickly after that. And then was it filmed over a very short period of time, over a couple of days? Or how did that whole process work? Yeah, um, so there was a couple of, I'd say maybe three days of filming in total, but they were kind of spaced out a bit in between and, and um, they'd kind of focus more on, on St. Orion's house one day and then ours another day. and um, But obviously they've made it look so seamless as if it all happened over a space of a few hours. It's fantastic. Now, the U-logs. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, okay. Who, who, who didn't know what a U-log was and put it into a loaf tin? Which of you? That was... The Murphys. The Murphys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I said, okay, this is going to be an interesting uh, Yule uh, log. And the Omani's Yule log, while it was a log, it, yeah. it lacked... That was about all it was. Yeah, yeah, it lacked cream. It did lack cream. I ran out of time completely and I was just looking at this bowl of half-whisked cream and, you know, our, our director was kind of saying... You know, he's about he's about twenty seconds left. Like, what are you going to do? So, I just grabbed the the chocolate frosting that was meant for the outside and just put that on the inside and rolled it up and put, and put some icing sugar on it to kind of hope for the best. <laughs> well, it looked like a log, but I, but, but what, when I watched that part of it, I was thinking, any of you considering Bake Off next year? Not a chance. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I love baking. I love love baking, but I love baking what I like baking. You know what I mean. Um, so things that I'm not familiar with, I wouldn't be doing under pressure in front of a camera ever again. 
<laughs> and then the, the scene where you went up to what shop was it to pick out the decorations? Oh, to hold oh, the store in wire. Yeah. Yeah. Were you genuinely against the clock when they, they said go and then you went to grab all the stuff? <laughs> We can't be giving away all, okay, all the, all the uh, trade the secrets. secrets. Okay, <laughs> but, um, but you were, yeah, but no, there was definitely pressure on because you know there's a lot of stuff you're you're redoing takes and you're redoing takes and you want to get everything right the first time, especially when you smallies. Um, so there was there was pressure from that side anyway, for sure. That wasn't fake. <laughs> and we saw you both last week. Now decorate your tree. Now be very honest. Has that tree been taken down and redecorated? <laughs> my mine, one, no, mine's definitely, definitely been adjusted. That's Noreen, is it? No, my one is still in the exact same place. Okay, so um, Jess, Jess, yours has been adjusted. Yeah, no, definitely. There was um Now, I didn't do much to it. I, I used all the same decorations and things like that. But I just tried to, fi- tried to fix the lights so that they were a bit more even and, and tried to <laughs> fix the big gaps that had been left with the bottom of the tree on one side and that kind of thing. Because, you're, because you're quite particular about your Christmas tree. Um... I wouldn't be very particular. Would I wouldn't not? be Noreen particular, but I'd be, I'd like to like it to be nice, you know. And Noreen, you left yours as is. I did. I left well it. The kids absolutely love it. Um, so we yours is amazing. It. Yours is perfect. You didn't need to touch it. I did. Oh, you're such great neighbours. What can we, ex- <laughs> what can we expect then from next week's? Mayhem. <laughs> yeah, more laughs anyway, I think, for sure. The outside um, lights were against the clock again and it was hell for leather to get them up. You know, it was, it yeah, was funny. crazy. And then yeah. what, there's an official switching on part, is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so there was a, a proper like lighting ceremony and a countdown and the whole lot. It was fantastic. And all of our neighbours got involved and, and, you know, we all stood outside in the cold and it was fabulous. It was and such a lovely, lovely evening. And sang Christmas carols and sipped on mulled wine. Yeah. Yeah. Just watched all the kids running around going crazy, delighted with themselves. So it was brilliant. It was a great night. And you're blessed in Drumahan because there's a fantastic community spirit. Yeah, we really oh, are. Blessed. Yeah, it's a gorgeous village. It's, it's it really amazing. It's one of those villages. Whenever I visit, I'm always saying it's like it's it's the village where everybody knows your name. It's one of those villages. If you were to handpick a village to live, <laughs> I think Drumahan is well up there. Well, well yeah, up there. Yeah. Definitely. I agree. Lovely. The people are fab there. And our own yeah, Keith so Handley from Charleville, who often is on the programme with us, he was one of the judges. He was. Yeah. <laughs> they were so funny. The, the judges were absolutely great crack. And we spoke to them actually after on the, the night of the lighting ceremony. And we asked them, you know, like, was it as fun as it looked? And they loved it as well. So it was fab. Everybody got really involved. Yeah, it was brilliant. It, re- it really is good. So it was, so no regrets about taking part. Um, oh, we wait until really. after the next show <laughs> <laughs> alright listen well enjoy it and happy Christmas to you both and we're certainly looking forward to part two next week and well done to both of you Thanks, Thanks, Thanks a million. Happy, Happy Christmas. Bye bye. And they lovely. That is, I, don't, I, I meant to check with John Paul. Are they both in their respective houses sitting under their Christmas tree? Or did they join up for the, for the, they literally are. If you saw last week's, you know, it's a, they're semi, semi D uh, houses in uh, Drummahan. That's uh, Noreen Murphy and Jess O'Mahony. And if you didn't, 
see last Saturday's it's available on Catch Up on Virgin Media and as I say the second episode the second part is on next week a little bit of fun for the time of the year that's in it 1850 while we're sending out well dones to Noreen and to Jess uh, Mike in Bantry says and this is from Bantry says will you please say well done to the Mallow Senior Football on winning the county final against uh, St Michael's and that's from Mike in Bantry and actually I meant to give a mention to that uh, yesterday it was a great win for the Mallow senior football team and I know there was a lot of excitement around Mallow and they had a little parade I saw it online down through the streets and there was just much merriment and excitement so well done to everybody involved in Mallow GAA Okay, we need to take a break we have news at 12 on the way I can see a lot of commentary coming in reacting to that story that I picked up on Twitter of the WhatsApp group by parents asking for a donation for a present for the teacher and if a family doesn't donate then the child's name doesn't go down on the Christmas card to the uh, teacher. A lot of people very upset uh, to hear about that so we will get through your texts we'll take a look at those and get through those in the next hour and of course Joe Heffernan is also joining us because it's a Tuesday and he is giving tips on how to be highly effective as a couple so that and more afternoons at 12. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? You know who to talk to cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I was sending congratulations to the Mallow Senior Football Club who won the county final at the weekend. Well, Margaret has been on to say, well, when you're talking about county finals, uh, Patricia, would you please say huge congratulations to Boherbui GAA. They won their first county final ever last Saturday. And Margaret said it gave us a huge lift in these tough times yeah there's something really special to an area when a team wins a county final so well done to Boherbui GAA no doubt they are still celebrating some of your calls and comments are coming in now I'm a little bit confused on this one it's tied in with antigen testing and tied in with somebody being in a pod in school and somebody testing at positive a listener uh, says my son was identified as a close contact along with two others in his pod in uh, school he is a 13 year old. I bought an antigen test kit inside in a supermarket. Somebody told me that they are rubbish. I then received a box of three antigen tests from the HSC, which is what happens now when you get identified as a close contact. Three in the box. We did one yesterday. That was clear. So we've two more to go. Two of the other mums of the children tested positive. One said the antigen test was rubbish and they, 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 the child then did a PCR test and the PCR test was positive. I can't buy one. How do I get one? They're sold out. I'm unsure what you're trying to buy. You can't buy a PCR test. If it's a PCR test, if you think your son needs a PCR test and you simply go on to the, on to the HSC and you can book an appointment for a PCR test, you don't buy a PCR test. They're all uh, completely free. Um, on the antigen uh, tests. Have I heard of that before? Somebody testing negative on an antigen, 
antigen tests and then positive on a PCR. Remember, PCR, the gold uh, standard, antigen tests do have a role. But if you'd say then that your son has absolutely no symptoms, if he's no symptoms, he doesn't have to go forward for a PCR test. Keep doing your antigen uh, tests. But the listener says he's actually gone into school today wearing a mask. Uh, he's only one who wears a mask, but he's used to wearing a mask because he does uh, guitar. Uh, he plays guitar. And when he's on a one-on-one, you know, for his hobby, learning to play the guitar, both he and his teacher wear masks, so he always wears them going into shops. He's been doing that for the last uh, two uh, years. OK, sorry, the listener's back saying I, he can't get a PCR test, rang the uh, the doctor, but he has no uh, symptoms. Well, just go on to the HSE. They, you have to keep refreshing the page, I know, was the last thing that we were, the last time we looked at this, because so many people are going forward for PCR testing. But if he doesn't have symptoms, he doesn't need to go forward for a PCR test if he develops symptoms, then absolutely you must go forward. But if he, he hasn't developed symptoms, the advice from the HSC, you're doing everything right. Continue to do your P, your antigen tests. And it's if you if you get a positive antigen test and are he develops symptoms, then you go forward for your PCR uh, test. But there is a huge backlog with people trying to get PCR tests. Just on a tip that I heard about last week when equally large numbers were going forward, keep refreshing the page. And then the other one is to log on at midnight. It seems to reset at midnight and you hopefully should be able to get a test then in for the next uh, day. That's the only, uh, I don't know if anybody else has any other tips as when you're trying to get a PCR test. And if you have symptoms, people are desperate to try to get a PCR PCR tests as quickly as possible. I certainly understand that. Jason says, Patricia, I don't understand this nonsense about children wearing masks in school. They'll have to wear a mask during their school hours. What happens during PE classes? What happens during lunch breaks? Not an easy thing to eat or drink while wearing a mask. If the children have to remove the masks to eat, uh, surely that's defying the purpose of them. Stop blaming the children for the government's shortcomings, says Jason. Well, it is being discussed at Cabinet level uh, today uh, from third class onwards, I think is what they're going to recommend. And what will be recommended, Jason, is obviously when they're eating or drinking at their break time, they remove their masks. And when they're outside having PE or out having their breaks, they don't have to wear masks. That's what the uh, recommendation are going to, is going to be. And the reason that they're putting it forward is we have the highest incidence now in the 5 to 11-year-olds with COVID cases. So they're trying to do something to try to bring down that number and to try to stop that number, uh, to try to bring down the number of children who are presenting with with COVID-19 and then luckily they're not getting very sick but they're bringing it home which is uh, which is the tricky one Margaret says Patricia on antigen testing my daughter did two antigen tests and both were positive and then the PCR test was negative there you go (laughs) yeah you'd hear cases like that uh, as well on the masks hi Patricia I can't see why all the school school children are not wearing masks and should be wearing masks already my grandchildren are both in Boston they're wearing masks and they've been wearing them since the start of COVID-19 almost two years ago now no problems with them at all children follow the others children do what everybody else does because they don't want to be the odd one out. Get a letter from your doctor if you can't wear one. That would be my advice, says a listener. No name on that. Thank you for that. And children don't want to be the odd one out. How right you are. That ties in nicely with the number of people who are commenting on the tweet I saw from the listener who was talking about her class where her child goes to school. And she has, I think it's two children in primary school. It's only in one class. 
where there is a WhatsApp group of parents and anyone who's got primary school children are indeed, I'm assuming there's WhatsApp groups in secondary school as well. These WhatsApp groups are great. They can get the information around. They can be the bane of people's lives when they're pinging all night as well, I have to say. I've heard people complain about WhatsApp groups with a large number of people in them. But for the primary school, this particular class, one of the parents decided to put a spreadsheet up on the WhatsApp group and as you pay in your contribution towards the te- the present for the teacher they're giving a collective present your name goes up and then a card will go around all the children whose parents contributed their names will be on the card but the children whose families don't contribute maybe because they can't afford it their names will be excluded from the Christmas card to the teacher which will be handed over when the class breaks up for the Christmas holidays they did the same thing in June and in June this particular uh, list, this particular person on Twitter noticed that two children from the class, their name wasn't on the card because their parents hadn't contributed. And that is really leaving uh, children out. Mary says, hi, Patricia, that person who put that spreadsheet up admitting the names should be utterly ashamed of themselves. Would they like it if it was their child? They should have the courtesy now to apologise. Somebody else says, if I were a parent, in a situation like that, excluding a little child is the last thing I would do. What I would do is I would urge the children, do a little drawing or make something, do a little crafty thing, a little craft item and make it for the the teacher if that's what they wish to do or just give in a thank you card. Any decent teacher would be equally grateful. But then all teachers are not so nice, are they? By the way, says this uh, listener, I think there should be a no presence rule and no presence policy that is what leads to division when you're at let schools are allowing uh, presents to be dropped into teachers somebody else says some parents like to buy preferential treatment for their little johnnies and their little marys obviously they don't believe in christian living such as people in today's world who are atheist mayfainers says a texter no name on that Robert says Patricia I disagree with you about teachers and gifts from children the teachers condone this by putting lists of families who do and don't donate uh, says Robert and hang on now Tick and again I'm not here to defend teachers this is a parents WhatsApp group the teachers are unaware they don't have access to the WhatsApp group now whether Another parent has pointed it out or not, but they don't run the WhatsApp group. The WhatsApp group is run amongst the parents themselves. So you can't say it is the teachers are at fault here. Angeline Clonakilty says, Trish, I thought that was such a sad story. And somebody else says, those parents are a disgrace. Whoever decided to put up a spreadsheet, what a thing to do to two little children. Though the parents should be ashamed of themselves. I actually got upset and was crying when I heard about it this morning. What a way to spoil uh, Christmas all the group should hang their head in uh, shame. And someone else says, why would one set of parents do that to another set of parents? It's shocking, but not surprising in this day uh, in this day and age and the world of apps. Something very wrong about it, though, says a texter, Imelda in Carrigaline, said awful, absolutely awful to leave a child's name out of a card, out of goodwill. Wouldn't you think you'd put down the child's name regardless of the situation? But to leave them out to me is just pure cruel. Something like that should not happen. And teachers don't expect this anyway in the first place. Yeah, it's it's not. It certainly is not the teacher's fault. And Deborah said, it's the parents here who are to blame. Some of those on the Parents Association think they have a right to control the entire school and in the way they act. And an act like this should not be allowed. The teachers do 
not make this decision. It's the parents and those involved in the parents group, I think, are too involved. These are the people involved in Parents Association. I think they're too involved in the running of schools today. Now, you talk to anyone involved in the school management and the board of management trying to get parents to sit on a board of management can be extremely difficult. Schools struggle with that every single time. Will you get parents who'll jump in to be on the board of management? You will and you will get parents who'll try to control the school but in the majority of cases I think it's a a strong board of management. You wonder should it be highlighted to the board of management because I don't know if any board of management would agree with children being left out like that you know, they'd be told, right, you know, have your spreadsheet if you want to keep it amongst the parents. But I wouldn't even have the spreadsheet, to be honest, because you'll have other parents talking about, God, isn't it interesting there now that so-and-so didn't contribute? And, you know, you can look at families and think, wouldn't you think that they would have contributed? Look at the big house and the big flashy car that they have outside. Nobody knows, particularly in these current times, nobody knows the battle that so many families are having behind their own front doors. They might look like they have everything. They might look like financially they're okay. But you talk to anybody involved in the likes of St Vincent de Paul and they will tell you families that are really struggling and to the outside world it looks like they're doing really well. But in the times that we're living in there are many. So please always be, I'm always very slow to point a finger at anyone and I say that to everybody else you know when you're looking at somebody and you think they should have contributed and they didn't you just don't know what's going on behind that front door so be aware of that and actually when I'm talking to Vincent Paul and the wonderful organisations and charities that are out there that will be helping people this uh, Christmas a number of weeks ago I had a lovely young uh, lady on Fiona Shanahan from from, it was Ma- the Mallow and general kind of the Mallow area I think Fomoy was involved as well and they just got together as kind of a group of mammies and uh, to help out and daddies there's daddies involved as well but a group of people just got involved aware of people in their own community who were struggling and struggling in the run up to Christmas particularly families with uh, young children and they wanted to do their bit so they, they set up their own little Christmas toy appeal and it's been hugely hugely uh, successful and I spotted a message in from Fiona this morning on uh, WhatsApp because I'd said to her if we could help her out in any way to let us know if there's any publicity that, that we could give her to let us know because they've done a toy appeal but they're also doing up hampers and stuff to give to families who are in need and they'll do it very very quietly very discreetly there's no fanfare attached to this uh, at all it's just one group in the community helping out other people in the community and it's the way God knows we all should be living and anyway she was back on this morning to say that they're going to have a trolley in Dunn stores in Mallow for two weeks so if anybody if you're doing any bit of shopping in Dunn stores in Mallow um, I'm assuming it's across this week and next week or next week and the week after anyway if you're doing some shopping in Dunn stores in Mallow there will be a trolley there if you would like to donate as non-perishable food items and I always think I always try and throw things into those whenever I see them at any supermarket I'm in and I'm always practical and I get some of the practical things but it's always nice particularly with Christmas to throw in some of the treats you know the boxes of chocolates at the moment in the supermarkets are nearly giving them away and the selection boxes and just the little bits of the extra treats that will make Christmas so well done to Fiona and the rest of uh, the gang who are just doing fantastic work. We spoke about antigen tests and the cost of antigen uh, tests. This listener says, Patricia, I was in Wexford during the week. I was there, down there to look after two of my grandchildren. So, 
erred on the side of caution and decided to buy some antigen uh, tests for all of us. I ended up paying 30 euro for five antigen tests in a chemist there. And that seems to be kind of the average cost. They seem to be around the five, six euro mark in most of the chemists. It's the supermarkets that have reduced the cost of them. They're around the three euro mark per antigen tests inside in the supermarket. But as Tim, one of our listeners, pointed out, have the supermarkets and the bigger stores only reduced the cost of the antigen test because they thought the government were going to jump in and start subsidising them. And will they suddenly go back up in price, particularly if there's a run on them and a lot of people start buying them? You wonder, will they, will they go up in, in price? At the end of the day, all of those supermarkets and are, and stores are, are there to make a profit at the end of the day. They're not charities and they're certainly not public health. They're not there to try and help public health. They're there to make profit. So it's, we, we will await and see will the cost of antigen tests go up, go up. But then I'm very slow to say give them free to everyone when you look at the results coming out from the UK and the amount it cost the NHS when they gave free antigen tests to everyone. I think they reckoned only about 20% of the amount of antigen tests that got handed out were actually used. People started stock stockpiling them. You talk to any relative that you have in the UK and ask them to open up a cupboard and ask them how many antigen tests do they have in their cupboard. People just started stockpiling them. Every time they went to the chemist, they saw free antigen tests. Oh, sure, I'll take a couple of boxes of those. And whatever it is in our psyche, when we see something is free, whether we want it or not, we have to have an extra few of them. And that's why the NHS, in hindsight now, they're still giving them out free, but they have a different system of giving them out. It just isn't a general free uh, for all. Uh, So I can see why the government didn't go down that route of just making antigen tests free to everybody. But the subsidising it, I do think, was the way to go. I think Holly Kearns and Social Democrats don't have a bad suggestion either. Maybe give them to people who are in a fixed income. You know, people who are on a pension, uh, lone parents, people who are living on social welfare, people who are on family income supplements. You know, there would be a way around doing it. Let them get a code so they could go to the chemist and pick them up instead. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. You'll see the first of the Christmas lights display are going up. Cronin Electrical, Cool Main in Kilbritton. They have a Christmas lights display every day from 4pm to 11pm and they're doing it in aid of CUH Charity Fund. Donations are welcome on site or online to idonate.ie forward slash Christmas lights. And anybody else involved with, you know, we often get to see beautiful houses lit up and there's a collection made for charities. Let us know, please, and we will give them as much mention as we as we can. And a GoFundMe page to raise funds to help Dennis Connolly return to his home in Reenrar East in Bantry is now open. The aim is to raise €50,000. That'll be used to renovate his house after Dennis suffered a life-changing accident in a car accident that's left to life-changing injuries earlier this year. You can donate through the GoFundMe page. And home bingo books are now on sale locally in Kildallery. They have a snowball prize this week of €50. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Quick look through 
Some of the final calls and comments coming in. Tom in from Oi on masks. He said, I think children wearing masks will adapt to it a lot faster than we as adults did. It's the older generation who've had the problems getting used to wearing masks. Look at seatbelts. Remember when seatbelts became mandatory, the younger generation adapted straight away while it was the older generation took a while to uh, adapt. So maybe some people are panicking about the idea of younger people wearing masks. And yeah, and we are hearing from other parents who say their children are already wearing the masks so they don't have an issue around it at all. On that WhatsApp group, not including the children whose parents didn't pay in for the present for the teacher, surely the teacher would have noticed that two names were left off the list and would they have asked why they were been left out? Yeah, it is possible, but I'm assuming the class teacher normally changes year to year. So the last WhatsApp group with the spreadsheet was in June. They would have gone back into school in September to a new teacher. So I don't know, were teachers talking the cla- inside in the canteen, so the staff room. So yes, you don't you know it was uh, spoke, spoken about. And someone else says, I hope to God the teachers are telling all of the children to put on extra layers, warm socks, leggings and little jackets. Some of the little creators sitting by open windows inside in the classrooms it's absolutely awful yeah why those HEPA filters were never introduced in classrooms I I really don't know and another listener says there's a bullock loose between Bantry and Drimmer League so please be careful if you're driving on that road and any farmers in the area is that your bullock that's running loose between Bantry and uh, Drimmer League I mentioned the Christmas lights and if anybody is anybody's house has been done up with Christmas lights this year as traditional happens and if you're doing it in aid of a charity a lot of people will put a collection box out lots of money is made let us know in plenty of time so that we can let other listeners know that your house is lit up for a particular charity and try to encourage people uh, to go along and take a look at your house and we are continuing to invite charity calendars to the programme please if you're involved in a charity or an organisation and you've produced a 2022 calendar get a calendar into us so that I can take a look of it and actually talk about it on air let me know where it's on sale how much you're looking for the calendar and we'll try and push as many of the charity calendars as we can and I'm very conscious that it's going to be needed this year more than ever because so many charities have had huge huge problems with fundraising this year and this morning fabulous calendar arrived it's called The Nature of Mitchells at Tam and all of the proceeds from this calendar is going to the St. Wonderful St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre and of course one of the people very much involved with St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre is Bill Power local historian in Mitchellstown has often joined us on the programme before but uh, Bill of course wears many different caps he's a multi-talented guy he's a wonderful photographer in his own right and if anybody has seen Bill's work you'll know what a fantastic photographer he is so it doesn't surprise me to see a calendar full of the most stunning photographs of birds and nature and there is a picture of a ladybird for July a, a stunning up-close photograph of a ladybird as a butterfly. There is a, a, I was going to say that's a dragonfly, it's not. It's a common blue damsel uh, fly and just gorgeous pictures of birds. It is really, really beautiful. And then he's very cleverly also put photographs in of the restoration work that has been going on for the last couple of years at St. George's 
Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchester and you can clearly see the fantastic work that has been done. So well done. So this calendar is on sale. I don't have a price on it even though most of the calendars are a tenner. So I'm assuming that this one is, is ten euro uh, as well. Uh, if you want to buy, if you're in the Mitchellstown area, again, I like all of the calendars and I will be going through all of the calendars again between now and Christmas. I love the local ones because I think they're particularly nice for people living in the area. But if you've loved one for the diaspora abroad, I imagine for anyone from Mitchestown receiving a calendar like this in the post will be quite special indeed. And there's lots of great work going on for St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre. Rebecca Storm, I'm sure it's this weekend, Rebecca Storm, we're hoping to have a chat with her, will be playing in St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre. And of course, if you've ever been in a church, the singing inside in the church is the perfect acoustic for singing and if you've ever seen Rebecca Storm uh, play live she has an incredible incredible uh, voice we'll, sp- we'll speak with uh, Rebecca uh, hopefully before the close of the programme but well done to Bill Power and the gang at St George's Arts and Heritage Centre if you're in Mitchellstown keep a look out for their calendar called The Nature of Mitchellstown 1850 let's take a break and we're back with Joe Heffernan Court Today Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Just an update for people travelling. This is just breaking news. From next Friday, uh, all arrivals into Ireland will have to uh, take a lab-conducted antigen test 48 hours before they land in Ireland or a PCR test 72 hours before arrival. The antigen option, which is a lab-conducted antigen test, you're still going to have to pay for it, but it's cheaper, obviously, than a PCR test. That will only be available to people who are fully vaccinated. For people travelling into this country unvaccinated, they'll have to have a negative PCR test. Um, or obviously, if they, pre- if they were previously infected, it's a negative PCR test is what they, they will need. And it's just been 
confirmed that the common travel uh, area, there's no exceptions. So it includes people coming from the United Kingdom, from England, Scotland or Wales, arriving into this country from Friday. They'll have to have a lab conducted negative antigen test or a PCR test. I thought the common travel area because it's the opposite in with the UK. They've excluded Ireland from that rule. We're not. We're insisting anyone coming from the UK now will have to arrive with a negative uh, test. That is from next Friday. OK, before we go to Joe Heffernan, just very quickly, get up and go diaries. We've three more to give away uh, today. want to cheer up somebody's day. We've got a gratitude diary. We've got a hero diary. And we've got a busy woman diary. Get texting. Just text the word diary to 0862 103 103. Uh, you can text or WhatsApp. We'll let John Paul select our three winners and we'll pop those diaries in the post. So get texting or WhatsApping now, please. Word diary along with your name and address. 0862 103 103. Joe Heffernan joining me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, And, and you want to start by talking about the CD launch for the air ambulance. I sure do. The 12th of December, um, uh, uh, under very, very strict uh, COVID uh, guidelines, um, there will be um, uh, vaccination certs required uh, sign in uh, and leave phone number and uh, a very ventilated venue for very, very high ceiling. So we're hoping to have a great day. And the CD is in aid of the air ambulance, which um, uh good to have. And we hope we don't need to use. Absolutely. And, uh, and you've got a song on it. I have. I, I think I have four. four. I, I have just a little bit, Patricia. And come here, you're, you're plugging it, but you haven't said where it's on. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Star Tracks in Knocknagree. Star Tracks venue, which um, a lot of people will know very well from social dancing and shows and uh, etc. Yeah. Thanks for that. Okay, that's all right. And it's yeah. on. We'll remind yeah. people I again. I a job in the advertising <laughs> world, I think. Your, your PR skills are great. Um, we'll <laughs> remind people of that close to the time uh, it's on on the 12th of December. Now, uh, when I was yeah. off last week, you had started a conversation with Jean-Paul Mm. about the seven habits of highly effective uh, couples. And a lot of couples will admit with lockdown and being in each other's faces and in each other's ears that they, you know, it got a bit tetchy at times for people. So you went through the first three of the seven habits. So we're up to four, which is use of the problem solving model. And we will all, no matter how good your relationship is or how strong you are as a couple, there will always be times where there'll be a little bit of a, a bump in the road. Yeah, and, and I often say it to couples that um, to look upon it as a triangle. Across the top would be Joe and Mary at the two corners, and then in the other corner would be the problem. And if both are focused on that third um, uh, corner uh, of, the, of the triangle, well, then you're problem-solving. But if the discussion and the um, uh, concentration goes on the two people across the top, Joe, Mary, Mary, George, Joe, Mary, the problem kind of gets uh, ignored and it can become uh, personal. And if a person gets upset, and many of us have got upset quite a few times during COVID, well, as Aaron Beck, who died in the last fortnight, uh, poor man, uh, a very highly, highly respected psychiatrist, 
um, he advised um, to see your partner as vulnerable and upset rather than seeing the partner as hostile and menacing. Um, sometimes we can mix up the two. If someone is vulnerable and upset and tearful and, um, you know, uh, very emotional, to remember to see the person as vulnerable and upset, not hostile and That's menacing. That, yeah, that is good advice. That is good. And nobody yeah. wants to see a loved one vulnerable and upset. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that would lead to a hug more so than a row. And 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 that's the kind of um, that's the kind of outcome that we're we're striving. And when to. when you're saying problem solving, if if one half of the couple has a problem, you've got to be clear in your messaging. You do. And for example, instead of saying like we don't spend enough time together, to say how about next weekend? Are you free that we could maybe take a day out or take a drive or? go to something or other, um, uh, to be specific. Instead of like, um, you don't do anything around the house, to say, will you take out the bins on Tuesdays? And after a meal, will you put the um, the, the plates and etc. Um, in the dishwasher or um, in the absence of that, uh, to give him a, a wash and, and to leave him yeah. on the, uh, state, on, on the state, training board. State clearly your needs. Because I think a lot of us are guilty of that, that almost passive aggression where you're mm. fuming inside and you're, you know, just, you're fuming in your own head rather than actually point out to the person what is, has you upset. Exactly. And not in big general terms yeah. like, um, uh, um, you know, we don't spend enough time together to say, come here, how are you fixed? Next weekend, maybe we could do something together. Yeah. And if now, that didn't fit, well, then the weekend after, pick a date and, and do that. But yeah, to compromise be specific, and compromise. Yeah. Okay, the next one is praise and appreciate your partner at every opportunity. Now, this is fantastic advice for children. We all know, you know, the best way to try and get a, you know, a wholesome, rounded child is to give as much praise uh, and uh, as you can. And it's the same for adults. It is indeed. It is so nice to feel appreciated that when you've done something um, big or small, um, to just say, um, thank you for that. Um, I I, I really appreciate that. Um, uh, You know, I'll give myself a little bit of self-praise here when I say that, you know, I'd never stand up from a meal without saying, Thank you for that. That uh, was that was very nice. Well and done. I mean, well done. it doesn't That's, cost anything. Yeah, and even uh, last week I put up the uh, Christmas tree at home. Now I would be keep move away from my Christmas tree. I decorate the Christmas tree. I don't like anybody interfering with it or anything. And <laughs> okay. I'm quite, quite particular about it. But afterwards, uh, Brenda, my husband, actually said later on, God, the Christmas tree looks lovely lovely this year. Well done. Even though it's the same as I do it every year, but I didn't point that out. But but he actually pointed it out and it actually made me feel good. I said, all right, thank you. Thank you for noticing and thank you for, you know, just, and, and, and all it took was a couple of seconds to say, oh, you've done the decorations. Really nice and the tree looks well. So yeah. yeah. So there, yeah. And they're small, simple things that you can do any day we, of, yeah, of the week. Yeah. We love the, to hear nice job. Yeah, well we do. done. Good man. We do. Yeah. Now, practicing forgiving and seeking forgiveness, this can be hard. Well, the thing is, like, if there is a bit of a row, and if somebody comes along afterwards, now it might take an hour or it might take a day, 
But if one sincerely says, look, I'm sorry about that. I was very upset at the time. Well, then let it go. Freely forgive the person. Um, uh, we'll all lose the head at times. Um, we, we'll all be, um, well, I, maybe I shouldn't generalize, but I do anyway. Um, I could become very impatient. I could have a low frustration level on a day. And uh, anything um, could be a huge thing, like the cat didn't get fed or something. And, um, and, 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 and if one feels that they were a wee bit out of order, um, that when they do apologise, accept the apology and say, um, OK, OK, it would happen to anyone. And, um, you know, maybe a bit of a hug going with it. They, you know, um, these are the things like that... Uh, that make life uh, bearable at the moment, mm. uh, rather than, you know, the passive aggression, pictures, no sound, I'm not talking, um, that kind of thing. Nobody uh, wins. It just raises the stress levels yeah. in the house, big time. Now, and your final one is seek to earn cooperation and respect rather than demanding or trying to control. And I suppose a new phenomenon that we've been talking about in the last number of years, and I saw it featured last night on TV on that wonderful documentary about the murder of uh, the beautiful Rachel O'Reilly, course of control. And you can slip into that without even meaning, not without meaning to, but that can become an issue. Whereas if you have, if you're seeking to earn cooperation and, and respect, you'll never go down that route of course of control. Hopefully not. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did talk fairly recently about gaslighting. Yeah. And um, that kind of, as you say, a coercive control, um, uh, it, can, it can ruin a relationship. Um, one person can feel completely under the thumb and is full of resentment on account of that, but is in a position where he or she feels that they can't object or they might even be gone into the, the, the stage that we mentioned in the gaslighting where they begin to doubt their very own thinking that maybe, maybe, may, maybe I'm all wrong, even though the person would be 100% right. So, like, to, um, to create an atmosphere where your partner can, you know, can flourish for his or her benefit and wish him well that the better they do, the more you like it. Um, uh you know and 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 fr- giving freedom um where a person can visit their friends um can um can say i'm i'm meeting john or jim or whatever uh, on a, a, um uh, on on wednesday and um and and to encourage that to say great it's good that you're getting out and 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 meeting people and you everyone know, in in both people in that partnership, you know, both parts of the couple will benefit from that because if if you're happy, you're going to be happy within the relationship. Absolutely, and you're going to be in good old form, and you're going to be, you know, um, a pleasure to meet um, rather than being down and out and uh, and and upset. Uh, our engaging with that um, passive, uh, silent uh, anger. So, and with with the home then to, you know, for people to say, um, can I help you with that? Is there anything you want me to do? And I noticed there that there was a, a couple of words thrown in about thinking beyond tradition, traditional roles, that um, 
you know, that that not having the old 1950s or 40s or whatever it was, of, um, you know, the woman's work is such a thing yeah. and the men's work is such a thing um, that we'd hope that those kind of days are gone. Yeah, but you're still not allowed near my Christmas tree. Okay, okay. I have to, I have to <laughs> leave it there. And actually next week we're going to be talking about burnout just to warn people yeah. in, in advance because there's a lot of frontline workers and a lot of others who are, are really finding it tough at the moment. Uh, Joe, we leave it there. Have a lovely week and we'll chat next Tuesday. And the same. And look Christmas. after yourself. Take Thank care. You. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohub. We 0868348145. The HSE have just been back on to us about the vaccination centres. They say no immediate plans to reopen the vaccination centre at Mallow. People will be disappointed to hear that. The current vaccination centre is open in Cork or at City Hall on North Main Street in the city centre and at the Bantry Primary Care Centre and they will keep this under constant review so they're sticking with those three. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul. We'll announce the diary winners tomorrow. Uh, Nick next. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's can sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.